And I don't know, it's like putting it We got a night of soul for you. Hey, Faith, tonight's movie has Johnny Deep. Johnny Depp. And Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci. I feel like I've lost my head. Just like everybody pretty much in this movie we're talking about tonight. What are we talking about? Sleepy Hollow. Right here on the Late Night Fright. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very headless co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. How did I say that without a head? Strange things are afoot, Faith. So many mysteries. We are we are moving into the month of October. Spooky season. Spooky season. <laughs> we have a pretty spooky little movie tonight, I think. Faith, mm-hmm. this is your pick. We're going back to the 90s. We're going back to the turn of the millennium. The turn of the millennium might have something to do with the uh, with the film we're talking about tonight. What are we talking about tonight, Faith? We are talking about Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow is based on the legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Washington Irving was one of the first uh, real successful American authors. He was one of the first American authors to gain success and notoriety in Europe. And this story has been with us a long time. Not only has this story been with us a long time, it goes even back further. Uh, there are legends throughout history of headless horsemen mm-hmm. terrorizing lands. This one is very uniquely American and it draws on the American experience as the headless horseman in this film is a Hessian soldier who was here to keep us all in order, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so drawing on the history of the colonies, drawing on uh, uh, the spooky nature of American literature. This story directly influenced one of our favorite spookmeisters, Edgar Allan Poe. And you can see the beginnings of the macabre in this story. Now, the story we're talking about tonight, Sleepy Hollow from director Tim Burton, really doesn't look too much like The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. (laughs) If you want a little more faithful adaptation of that, you need to check out the 1948, I believe, Disney cartoon narrated by Bing Crosby. That's a wonderful little piece, but this takes a lot of liberties. We're going to get into it. Uh, uh, It's a fun little movie. Yes, it is. Fun little movie. And uh, fun fact, uh, spring forth from the mind of our old buddy Kevin Yeager. We've talked about Kevin Yeager on this show. He designed The Crypt Keeper and Chucky and also did uh, makeup for Robert England and several of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. He had this idea of, of this take on Sleepy Hollow and then it ended up with Tim Burton and I think it ended up in pretty good hands. I think so. Pretty good hands. Before we get into uh, the show, Faith and I are currently drinking some really good coffee. We just want to make you aware of this coffee. We've talked about this company before, Dead Sled Coffee. Now, Faith, you brought this to our attention a few weeks ago because what are they currently working on? This is a lot of fun. Yeah, Robert England is going to have his own coffee. And I'm so excited to try it. I'm wondering what the flavor profile will be. <laughs> yeah, because we got really excited about it because we love Robert here on the mm-hmm. show. We also love coffee. So I rolled the dice and I bought a bag of their morning blend. And I love this. The sense of humor this company has. Morning is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Morning blend. This is their best-selling coffee and their kind of go-to signature flavor. Uh, we are drinking it. Faith, this is your first time drinking it. You are a connoisseur. By the way, we're making no money off of this. We have no, <laughs> no formal deal with these people. What do you think of the morning blend from Dead Sled? Oh, I think it's awesome. I'm on a second cup. So it's just so good. It's smooth. It's like just good coffee. <laughs> it's really good coffee. Yeah, yeah, it's not bitter. It's just so smooth and delicious. It's, it's really good coffee without any of the BS. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's a very, very smooth blend. Kind of a boutique blend. Uh, Kind of like the beers, the microbreweries. Yeah. I don't know what the, you would call it. The bag says it has like little notes of caramel. Do you taste it? Can you kind of very get it? slightly, mm-hmm. very slightly, very little taste. This is a great drink for the film that we're talking mm-hmm. about this evening. And I also want to add something else really quick because we talk about uh, 
whatever in the first part of the show. On the way in to do the show this evening, Faith and I were listening to a compilation of songs from Stax Records. We've talked about Stax Records out of Memphis, Tennessee on the show. We mentioned it a few times. I am a huge fan of 1960s Southern Soul, uh, especially the sounds coming out of Stax Records in Memphis, Tennessee, courtesy of Booker T and the MGs, Isaac Hayes, Sam and Dave, Otis Redding, Wilson Pickett, all of these great, great R&B and soul artists. And for me, it just defines music, American music yes. for me. It's, <laughs> it's it's the meeting place of a lot of things. And in these times that we find ourselves in when, unfortunately, I feel like some people, some people would have us move back towards some kind of segregation, weird segregation, mm-hmm. you know. And you have these artists and this band and this company that was completely integrated in a time in the deep South when it was still happening and hadn't happened in a lot right. of places. And it's, and it's inspiring to me on a personal level. I'm a musician and that music speaks to me on a lot of levels, but on a personal level, I think that the music of Stax records is what we should all aspire to be yeah. as people. But with that said, I just want to put that out there. If you're not familiar with this music, please listen to it, check it out, start mm-hmm. with Otis Redding and go. <laughs> exactly. but, uh, we were listening uh, to this compilation and the, maybe the most famous Otis Redding cut from 1965 came up, tried a little tenderness and we both just stopped <laughs> what we were talking on the way and we hear the horns at the beginning and we stopped yeah. and we listened to it in its entirety and didn't really talk outside of man he was so good you know <laughs> faith we we've talked about music before on this show and we've talked about soul music uh that track might be the best that came out of that little record company what is it about that track it, it's, it's it's just you, you you said it earlier it's like it's just real music and it is it's just it, it gives you this feeling of just you feel so good listening to it and there's no corporate know. mentality behind that yeah. music because it was uh for all intents and purposes, a mom and pop record company. Mm-hmm. And you had some of the great talents working there uh, by accident, right. you know, but it it's, there's no corporate overtones yeah, to it. it it's it feel, real. It feels like music that wanted to be made because they wanted to make it, not because they had to, you know, to, to make money off of it. It just sounds like people playing because they love to play and sing. And They were in the business of selling records, but they were also in the business of, great music and that was first and foremost what they were there to do was Mm -hmm. make great music and i just it felt appropriate to bring it up a because we were listening to it b because of everything going on in the world here in the states at the time uh, of this recording and also because we're talking about uh, a great american story in sleepy (laughs) hollow that goes all the way back to the to the start of this country and you know i thought it'd be appropriate to bring up something right you know another another great story american story but yeah, it's great music, and uh, I just I just felt felt like it needed to be brought up because it's it's great. And all of you out there, if you're having hard times right now with everything going on in the world, latch on to this music. It will change your life, and it will save your soul. <laughs> I guarantee it. I mean that. I mean that. He it's, does it's, mean it. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful music. So, well, this movie did come out in the year 1999, right before the turning of the millennium. What do you say we take a look back and see what was going on? Let's do it. Let's do it, Faith. Should we? We should. What time is it, Faith? It's time to go into the Wayback Machine. Buckle up. Keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle. Right, here we go. November 19th, 1999, that is when this film was released. The president of the United States was William Jefferson Clinton, old Billy Jeff. The prime minister of the UK was Tony Blair, Tony Baloney. The pope of the Roman Catholic Church was John Paul II. It is at this point where I usually say all three of these men were members in good standing of the cabal that secretly runs the world, but I'm not going to do that this week. I'm not going to do it. I didn't hear you say it. I, I didn't say it. I know. I, Did I, I say I, that they were members of the cabal? Not at all, no. Yeah. I didn't say that. All right, Faith, what was the number one film in North America at this time? The World is Not Enough. That is a James Bond film that it was the third 
Pierce Brosnan film. Movie did very well at the box office. And speaking of box office, Sleepy Hollow did very well, but was never number one at the box oh. office. Faith, what was the number one television show? What were we tuning into? Who wants to be a millionaire? Not only were we tuning into it uh, on Tuesday nights when it came in, but we were tuning into it on Wednesday and Thursday when it came on as well because it was uh, one, two, and three on the top uh, shows of 1999. Hmm. We, we were watching Regis. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were calling some lifelines. <laughs> number Holding one, those friends. There you go. The number one <laughs> song in the UK was "Keep On Moving" by the group Five. Hmm. I'd like to say hello to all of our friends in the UK. Do you know we have one of the top 100 shows in the UK? Really? We do. That's yeah. pretty cool. I want to say hello to all of you out there Very and thank cool. you so much for the support. We uh, love having you. Mm-hmm. We hope you're all doing well. Uh, the number one song here in the U.S. was Smooth by Santana with Rob Thomas. And that one just lit up the world when it came <laughs> out. It really, really did. All right. We have a movie tonight starring Johnny Depp, directed by Tim Burton, written by the guy who wrote Seven, based on a story by a guy who lived a long time ago. What time is it, Faith? It's time for the Late Night Friday. I'm Dan. <laughs> and I am Faith. And we'll see you on the other side. Cue the music. Listen to them, children of the night, what music they make. Picture tomorrow. Mr. Cal. Yes. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I don't know. I always end up biting. Ask Mr. Fox, for he's much cleverer than I. Mr. Fox, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Why don't you ask Mr. Turtle, for he's been around a lot longer than I. Me? <laughs> I'd bite. Mr. Turtle. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I never made it without biting. Ask Mr. Owl, for he is the wisest of us all. Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three, three. If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart owl. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? <laughs> the world may never know. Hi, I'm Rhonda Shear, host of USA Up All Night. And I'm Gilbert Gottfried, host of USA Up All Night. I'll show you lots of fun movies. I'll show you lots of fun movies. I do it Friday. I do it Saturday. We both, both do the same thing. Only different. USA Up All Night. The same, but different. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We have refilled our cups with the morning blend from Dead Sled Coffee. You can check them out at deadsled.com. I'm going to leave a link for them in the description. Believe me, it is worth it. It's so good. It's really, really, (laughs) really good. 
Well, we have something that I think is really, really, really good uh, here to talk about on the show. Faith, was, this was your pick. Please reintroduce this movie that we're talking we about. We are talking about Sleepy Hollow. From director Tim Burton, from an idea by special effects man Kevin Yeager. And the script was by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote the movie Seven. We covered that film here on the show. We both really like Seven. Yes. And I did not realize that at the time when I was watching it. I can see elements of seven in this in this movie as we said based on the story the legend of sleepy hollow by washington irvin this takes a lot of liberties with that story in the original story uh ichabod crane here played by johnny depp he was a school teacher he was an outsider to the community they did keep that going on johnny depp is playing an outsider in a tim burton movie (laughs) let me put on my shocked face (laughs) all right a lot of liberties taken here this is also a lot of fun Let's get right into it. Faith, what did you think of Sleepy Hollow? I love this movie. I just love the whole mood and the whole vibe. It's just everything about this movie I just really love. It's, like I said, the mood, just looking at it. Everything, the the, the way it looks is what kind of draws me into it. And uh, I don't know, it just reminds me of spooky season. (laughs) It definitely feels like spooky season. Mm -hmm. There are scenes in this movie with the... Uh, production design and the look that Tim Burton has conjured that just are spooky season defined. Yes. It is Halloween. It is uh, fall. It is time to stay in with some good coffee or or some cider and watch a spooky movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's trick or treat. It's trick or treat (laughs) time. It it really captures the feel of autumn and uh, darkness on the horizon, (laughs) you know, darkness on the horizon. I really love this movie. I have a few problems with the film. I have a few problems pacing-wise. I feel that the narrative of this thing kind of starts to run off the rails in that you have a great outsider character in Ichabod Crane, expertly played by Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. He excels in the outsider role. He excels in the Tim Burton role. They fit so well together. And I believe the first 30 minutes of this movie are so very strong. And then... We get involved in a land and family dispute with these old Dutch families up in this New York (laughs) Valley. And I feel that some of the focus is taken away from his investigation into Mm -hmm. the Headless Horseman. And I feel like not that we lose him, but that our focus becomes bigger than it should be. It should be I wanted more of him like really on the trail. With that said, that's either a major or a minor quibble. Right. Okay. Because it gets a pass for a lot of things because of how beautiful this is to look at and how much fun <laughs> this movie is to watch. And and the feeling. You you, you right. captured it correctly. The feeling. So I don't want I don't want you to think I didn't like it. But no, no, no. but I feel like they're just No, I'm with you on that. I think there are some pacing problems. I think that you know, they they changed this this story here to make him an investigator, and I think that they kind of pulled back from that. I wanted him to investigate more. You know, I feel like it was kind of like hear yeah. him doing a few things, yeah. But you kind of lose that main focus of him, you know, investigating just, things. Just just a little bit, and yeah. it's a really interesting world, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and and populated by a lot of fun characters and some really great actors mm-hmm. and some familiar faces to Tim Burton and to science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Uh, let's let's talk about the story here. Uh, the story has changed. You hit on it. He's a constable here. Mm-hmm. Again, though, he is an outsider. Um, what do you think about the change? And let me ask you this: Have you read the original? Legend I have not Hollow. read. I I have. It's a very enjoyable read. It, it is very closely. Uh, the Disney version is very closely. I don't believe aligned. I've read it. I should say. Okay. I don't think I have. If I it's have. It would have been a long very time short. ago. It's very short. It's not. It's. I want to say it's thirty-five it would pages. Have maybe it's been like, a long time if I have. But I don't. I don't know if story. I have. Um, okay. But uh, but, but you are but aware of the, the beats. Yes. Yeah. And the beats are pretty much the same. Uh, as the Disney version right. of this. Uh, but what do you think of the change here? Because he is a school teacher. Uh, again, I keep hitting on outsider because that is important to one of the bigger themes I mm-hmm. want to get into here. But uh, what do you think about the change? I personally like it because I like the idea of him being, you know, this investigator policeman kind of coming in and saving them, if you will. Or I, believe, I believe they call him constable. constable. He's a constable. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. 
uh, I like it too. I feel it gives him a little more weight in mm-hmm. the story. It dr- yeah. he, he's got a little more of a drive. Exactly. To it, a little bit more of a drive. I, I like the change here. Mm-hmm. I, I, you could do a straight adaptation of the Washington Irving story. And from, from my recollection, having read it semi-recently, I, you wouldn't be able to fill up an hour and a half, two hours of screen right. time. You'd have to expand on the world. I think, I think it's a fine expansion uh, of the world. One of the things, and I hadn't seen this movie. I saw this movie in the theaters. I saw it when it came out on video around you know 2000. Mm-hmm. I saw it maybe five years ago. I caught some of it on TV and, and of course was struck by the way it looked. Right. <laughs> but watching it this time with fresh eyes, I was really struck by the battle going on in this movie between faith and science yeah. and magic and reason and that whole thing which is a, a debate that is still going on mm-hmm. there are people who uh, uh, push religion and spirituality and any kind of natural thing right. like that to the side and they're all science and what you can see and then there's people who oh no no forget the science you know it's it's, it's the feeling and the mm-hmm. and that vibe uh, which is still going on today, but it's really prevalent here. And you in, had never noticed it until this watch, necessarily? I, I, I may have noticed it, but didn't remember it. it, it See, that's where I was. I, I hadn't seen this movie in a while either, and that's kind of why I wanted. I picked it, because I hadn't seen it, and I wanted to watch it. And I, too, was like, oh, wow, okay, I don't remember that being so prevalent, you know? So there was, there is a depth here that is not just, that is outside of, hey, let's have a good time telling mm-hmm. a spooky story. But uh, I, I really appreciate that. It reminded me in some ways, I don't know if you're familiar with this. I don't know how many of our audience members are familiar with this, but we have a very smart audience, so they probably are. <laughs> uh, but it's one of the lesser known Mark Twain books called Puddinhead Wilson. And Puddinhead Wilson introduced uh, into the literature lexicon the idea of fingerprinting and uh, <laughs> new forensic techniques at the time mm-hmm. that a lot of people didn't know about that we take for granted today. Right. And there's a mystery that's being solved. And I was watching this and it's been a while since I read Puddinghead Wilson, but I went, oh, this is like Mark Twain, <laughs> like that yes. whole idea. One of the things I liked about this movie is it is in many ways a forensic uh, 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 procedural yes. <laughs> investigative show. I think that's that too. That might be why I'm kind of drawn to it as well. <laughs> with humor and horror, mm-hmm. yeah, with a lot of humor and horror. I uh, again, and, and it's a, a reflection of the science versus faith, religion, spirituality, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. that. Uh, him with his scientific instruments and doing uh, detective work on the bodies and the scenes with these with these instruments, uh, some of which he he developed himself. And the reaction of the characters to him <laughs> is where a lot of the humor, I think, comes uh-huh. from. And again, when I said it kind of goes off the rails for me, uh, with then you get into the the family stuff. Right. Y- you get away from that a little, a lot. Uh-huh. You know, you get away from him, you know, on that really tracking that. Right. Yeah. And I, I read, too, they, they purposely wrote him to be squeamish and, like, uncomfortable with certain things, which I think was, which was a cool thing. But I feel like we kind of... You pull away from it every now and again, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading Johnny Depp saying something about he was pulling from Angela Lansbury and Murder She Wrote when he was doing this, <laughs> and I was really struck watching this how much this is Ichabod Crane, girl detective, <laughs> how much this is Nancy Drew. Let's get into it. Johnny Depp's performance here. My favorite moment, by the way, is when uh, young Master Maybury, his his little his uh, servant, his. Uh-huh. Uh, who, who latches on to him as assistant uh, when they're going into the uh, cave or the witch's house or whatever. They're going into the big spooky door <laughs> and he puts the kid in front yes. of him as a human shield, I which I think is a, I thought was a wonderful touch. Uh, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp. We've talked about Johnny Depp on this show before. Yes, we were we both have. very impressed with his performance in another Tim Burton movie, uh, Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. We were, we both really liked that a whole lot more Yes. Than we thought we would. He was, of course, in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, has he been in anything else that we've done? I don't think that he has. I don't think so. So I don't believe so. It's nice to it's nice to kind of see him in another Burton mm-hmm. vehicle. He is one of our favorites. Uh, we talk about you know. Let's go ahead and bring him up. What is it about Johnny Depp that that draws you in? Because I know you're a fan. Aren't oh, I'm you? a huge fan. He's he's probably my favorite. He's somebody I've always 
just been drawn to his movies, especially with Tim Burton. I think he just brings something to these movies that he's so, I feel like he's so different from who he plays. And you watch him and it's like, wow, it's hard to believe that, <laughs> you know, he's yeah. not really like that. <laughs> there is an element of spontaneity to him. There is an element of, you get this with Nicolas Cage. There's mm-hmm. an element of surprise yes. with him. He's not, I don't think he's as out there on a limb as Nicolas Cage is at no. times. Um, <laughs> but there's there's a depth to him, but there's uh, spontane- spontaneity. And I think Johnny, I know Johnny has never taken formal acting lessons. Johnny has this real kind of um, instinct. Mm-hmm. It's an instinctive yes. thing. And I think we, we being you and I, but I think people latch on to, they know when somebody mm-hmm. is being genuine. I think if you're right. being instinctive, you, there's a genuineness to you. And I think there's a real genuineness to Johnny as weird as some mm-hmm. quote unquote weird <laughs> Because I, I identify with a lot of his characters, which says, and I think a lot of people do. I think that's I think what, so. what, what, especially Draws the Tim Burton too. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think, I think that there, there's just a real inroad with him with these, with these kind of weird, strange right. characters. And some people go weird and strange and it rings very false. Mm-hmm. It always rings very true for him. He has a very unique screen presence. He does. Very unique screen presence. Uh, compare him to somebody like a Harrison Ford or somebody. It, it's a and as as you know, I, I know it kind of seems like counterintuitive. Well, of course they have different energies. They're different people, but it's not. What I'm saying is, it's not the typical leading man. Exactly. Energy. Right. There's a uh, dare I say it. There's a feminine quality. I was just thinking that <laughs> to it. Yeah. You know, uh, not there's a, a softness to it. Not effeminate, but but the softness yeah. and. Uh, but we said that about Clint Eastwood, too, when we talked about him on the show with Dirty Harry and mm-hmm. Play Misty for me. There's a feminine quality to him that gets overlooked, I think. Right. And Johnny has that nice balance of things, but it's a very unique presence, almost cartoonish at times, too, which yeah. I really like. <laughs> he would have done very well in the silent film era. Yeah, I think so. I really think he would have. Yeah. What do you think about him as Ichabod Crane here and everything we talked about with the story, with the way that the, the story is told and the themes here? I, I think... This is a Tim Burton movie. I think he's probably the only guy that could have played this. <laughs> Which is funny you say that because I th- I can't remember who the other two were, but the one that's sticking out, Brad Pitt was kind of in the in the running to play him. And I mean Maybe. Yeah. I don't think Pitt in ninety nine. I think Pitt today maybe. Yeah, but yeah, I don't but, think Pitt then could have had that like kind of Was it Matt Damon? No, I can't remember who it was. It was three men. I can't remember now who it was. I don't know. But I think Johnny, obviously, is the right pick. This is actually one of my favorite looks of Johnny Depp because there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of weirdness going on with him, like weird hair. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't hide him in this movie. You he just, actually was going to wear prosthetics on his face because he was supposed Ichab- to be ugly. And Ichabod has a very distinctive nose. He's described right. as having and and Tim Burton said no. He wanted his personality to be the weird thing, not his okay. face. So I, I like the choice of leaving him. You know, absolutely. Looking the way. I, you know, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. That that they didn't hide him. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, and I think it's a good choice too. Yeah, there's enough weirdness going on in this movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there really is. There's enough weirdness. Uh, he is joined in this endeavor. His female, his leading female cohort here is Christina Ricci. They have a unique history together because Johnny Depp was dating Winona Ryder at the time. That Winona Ryder and Christina Ricci. We're in a wonderful 1990 film called Mermaids, starring Cher and Bob Hoskins. This is a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful film. If you've never seen this, please see it. It's mm-hmm. it's just a really great movie. And so she was she knew Johnny through Winona and loved loves Johnny. <laughs> I think most people who know him, I think, really enjoy him, fall for him. I you think know, so. with the exception of a woman who is divorcing him at the well, time of this recording. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, if you're on the fence about this, and we don't talk too much about you know that kind of stuff here on the show, but uh, Amber Heard, they're in the middle of a divorce. She has alleged some things. She hired a private investigator to dig into him and the, his past, and he started digging into Johnny Depp and his past and was interviewing people who know him, mm-hmm. that he actually quit oh, wow. because he knew there was no way that he could have done any of the things 
that uh, she accused him of doing. So I just, I just want to throw that out I mean, out I don't know him personally, but he doesn't give off any of those vibes to me. I feel like I can read people usually or, you know, you, you could just look at somebody and just know something. And I don't I don't get any weird. <laughs> I mean, I don't either. I think his characters are where he puts that kind of, inner, you know, strange energy. But I don't I don't think he's. I don't, I don't either. I don't no. So. Um, so we have Christina Ricci playing uh the young and why nona was actually up for that role but she declined well that's the thing winona would have played (laughs) that and i don't know i don't know where their personal lives are at this time but uh christina ricci is playing the winona Ryder role Mm -hmm. in this movie i mean you could tell this is a winona Ryder role and uh christina ricci is very good in this what did you think of christina ricci but she said it was weird for her to do this because he had to be in love with johnny because he had known her since she was nine years old and he (laughs) thought it was weird yeah no, I love her here. I'm actually a huge fan of hers because she's she is one of those people like Johnny that's kind of, you know, strange and in a little, you know, plays kind of interesting characters. But I liked her here. What about you? I, mean, I, I do too. And I think maybe uh, watching them, the, I, I love them together. I, I, th- I think she's wonderful. But you could tell like the chemistry is not <laughs> on fire. Right. Here. It's more of a chase, and and maybe rightfully so because he is very hesitant right with her and uh no i, I love that though i love that they were a little that has to be uh, awkward though it's like i'm sure you know i'm sure they were maybe giggling about it too because i mean yeah he'd known her since she was nine years old <laughs> right you know it's like okay that's a little creepy. yeah it's like your your older sister's boyfriend you know that you now have to you know pretend to be in love with all right we have a really really great cast here we have some familiar faces from science fiction mm-hmm. fantasy and horror we have uh, familiar faces from tim burton's world mm-hmm. this film is infamous it has three sith lords <laughs> in it that's right we have ian mcdermott who played darth sidious christopher lee the one and only christopher lee who played darth tyrannus aka count dooku in the prequels we also have ray park who plays the headless horseman anytime that he's off of the horse so all the fighting stuff off of the horse that is uh, ray park who played darth maul we also have, who else do we have, Faith? We have Michael Goff, who played Alfred. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Jones. Richard Griffiths, who uh, appeared in the Harry Potter films and mm-hmm. uh, many other wonderful films. Uh, Natasha, is it Natasha Richards? It's not Natasha. Yeah. I always get them, I'm sorry, I always get them mixed up. So let me uh, let me look here. Uh, who else do, uh, we said Jeffrey Jones, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Miranda Richardson, I'm sorry. Miranda. We have Miranda Richardson. We have Michael Gambon, uh, who also played uh, in the Harry Potter films. And we have the one and only Christopher Walken, who makes a uh, uh, silent appearance outside of some yeah, <laughs> yeah sounds. Uh, what do you think of the characters that inhabit this world and the actors that we have portraying them? I love them. And, and honestly, I would have loved to have seen more of a lot of them. I mean... You get like thirty seconds of Christopher Lee. <laughs> I I wanted more Christopher Lee. I Me wanted. Too. I, I thought he he should have bookended the movie. Yeah, because it was like a nice little treat to have him in there. But then you were like, "That's it." Like, and what? it's funny because before I hit play on this movie, I had texted you. I said, "Ah, this movie's got three Sith Lords." I knew he was in it. You know, I knew like intellectually he's in it. And uh-huh. I for, and, and then you I forget see him, that he's only in it for. And I saw him, and I was got so excited. Yeah, and then it's like he's gone. Like. Okay. <laughs> so all of these, all of, there's some hammer ends uh, uh, here. Mm-hmm. There are some cast members from uh, Michael Goff, Christopher Lee, especially uh, from the old Hammer film series. Tim Burton is a huge fan of the Hammer films. We've talked about mm-hmm. his love of the Hammer films. I believe in Batman Returns, we talked about the Hammer film and uh, his love of German expressionism. Mm-hmm. We did. And uh, this film felt like at times the ultimate hammer horror film yeah, at times. I read that was kind of his main inspiration uh, for this movie. And I can see it. And, and I mean, there's people from, you know, from those films. So obviously, yes. But did, I mean, you, you caught those vibes. Oh, I was catching them immediately. Yes. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of the hammer, the hammer film and uh, just the look of it, the mm-hmm. feel of it. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> Uh, real kind of a horror of Dracula vibe with the with the uh, the interior shots. I was feeling. Mm-hmm. I was feeling that. I don't know. I don't know what it was in particular that was striking me, right. making me make me think that. But those real kind of interior shots that the great uh, director Terrence Fisher of the Hammer series uh, would pull off. So uh, no, Burton Burton knows his stuff. I I really believe though that the strength of this film 
is in the production design, the way it looks and the way that it feels. So with the way that it feels, this is indeed about the Headless Horseman. Let's talk about the Headless Horseman. What do you think about the Headless Horseman as presented in this film? I like the Headless Horseman. I like I like the whole uh you know, the whole idea of him having a main goal of who he's going after and not just killing off random people. He has an arc. Right. Which is it's not just the villain. Right. There's an arc to him. Right. It's not just really this bad guy who kills whoever's in his way. So I think that I think that's pretty cool. And I like the look of him a lot. Almost sort of almost a sympathetic quality to him. Almost sort of. Almost. <laughs> Because he is searching for his head. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, he was not I, a good, he was not a good dude in life, but, but, but again, can you blame him though? Really? In the long yeah. run? <laughs> there, there is, but, uh, you know, the best villains do have sometimes that little bit of, well, so I'm saying, can you blame him? Not he's really. looking for his head. Not really. I like the fact that he's being controlled. I, I, I like that. He's a weapon in mm-hmm. this, in this, I think that was a neat expansion. And, uh, Miss Richardson, I think does very well playing, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, Two witches, really? Yes. <laughs> the twin <laughs> two, sisters. The twin sisters, the two witches. Uh, she does a, a really wonderful job, I think, with that. And Christopher Walken, of course, appears as the Hessian who yes. filed his teeth to appear even more menacing. Do you know how they feel? I thought uh, he has a creepy look to him, too, with those teeth. And but, the eyes. Yes. But um, did you read how they filmed him on the horse? No, I did not. They actually kept him on the horse. He filmed everything. And they put like a blue... I can't remember if it was a blue, um, blue something, blue cloth or something over him, so mm-hmm. they could erase his head completely. And then the collar was also like put on computerized, so it would okay. match. So I thought that was pretty cool. Okay. Because you always wonder, like, how, how you know, how's that happen? <laughs> yeah. One of the things this movie does not shy away from is the gore factor. There is some gore, and the Casper Van Dien. Casper Van Dien's another uh, notable sci-fi fantasy mm-hmm. horror. Uh, Face from the Starship Troopers franchise, Casper Van Dien plays Brom Bones here, the would-be suitor of Katrina Van Tassel, played by Christina Ricci. He meets a pretty awful end, and the one that I think is is kind of the most heinous yeah. in the film. And uh, narratively, it serves up a big clue as the headless horseman. The headless horseman is not just killing indiscriminately. Right, we learn that. But the scene in which this happens, which is in some ways. Uh, hearkening back to the Washington Irving tale because it happens on the bridge, which is mm-hmm. where it famously happens. Uh, although that scene is recreated in the movie for comic effect with the throwing of the pumpkin. Um, <laughs> but he meets his in there very, it's it's awful with two two uh, cleavers, uh, hatchets almost, and, yeah. and, he, and he's, he's, he's severed in half. And, and uh, Burton doesn't, I wouldn't say this is a gory movie. No, I don't think so either. And I want to say something about the gory. I think the gore fits with the story and how he's killing. So it's not just random gore. Does that make any sense? You know what I mean? It's, Completely. It's not like, you know, here's just a bunch of gore just to have it. It, and, it fits with why this is all happening. And that's that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, what were your thoughts on the gore? Because my, and, and I agree with you, I think it fits and serves this story so right. well. And it's not overdone. At all. And, I and don't it's feel, not too gross. I'm and it's not, not gratuitous or right. exploitive, and it, it really serves the story. Uh-huh. And I, I, for me, I was watching it, and I've said this on the show before, but I'll say it if you're a new listener. I'm not a gore hound. I'm not I don't really mind either. it if it serves the story, if it's creative and well done. You know, um, just gratuitous really gets to me in like torture porn. I really don't like, you know, like the hostile type stuff where you have to like cut yourself. Yeah, like I was having a discussion today, like, oh, I love Saw. And I'm like, I can't do those movies. I just. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about that that just that doesn't call to me. <laughs> yeah, and, and but I mean, I don't have a problem with it if it's well done in right. service so, of yeah. the story. Here, but I had this, no problem. This I was actually looking at, going, "This is cool." Right, like, me too. <laughs> like this is really cool. I was too, actually. <laughs> so, uh, Tim Burton, I, like I said, there's always kind of a horrific element to his films, and I feel that like he really just needs to do an out and out horror. Yeah, because I think I read, like, he was like, this is, like, the closest to horror that he's done. And he's like, it's weird because it's his favorite genre. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, at the time he said that, you know, so, you know. Yeah. But yeah, he needs to do a straight up, just straight up horror. Yeah. (laughs) I I really, really liked this. Uh, Again, problems I had notwithstanding, I I really enjoyed this. And this is just a great uh, spooky weather film. Mm Mm-hmm. It really is. And I mean, besides, uh, you know, 
headless horseman killing off half the villagers. Did you did you want to live there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was. It's funny to bring that up because I was thinking of you when we were watching. When I, when I was watching, I should say we we watched it separately. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because when I was watching it by myself, and he's going into the town of Sleepy Hollow, and they've got the scarecrow up. And, uh, you know, the little fires going mm-hmm. in, the, in the corn stalks and you see that haze in the valley yep. in the river. I'm going, oh, Faith wants to live there. I bet. <laughs> like I, that was that was uh, you were right. That was uh, on on top of my that, yeah, mind. That scene came on. I was like, oh, my God, I would kill to live there. <laughs> yeah. I want to add before I forget, we have another cast member uh, from the Tim Burton world. I can't remember if I mentioned him or not. Martin Landau, who was no, in Ed Wood, won an Academy Award for playing Bella Lugosi. Uh, in Ed Wood, uh, directed by Tim, uh, makes an appearance at the very beginning. He's the yep. gentleman who gets who loses his head in the field. So yep. nice little surprise cameo and uh, just really, really well done movie. So again, it's kind of a linchpin for science fiction, fantasy, horror actors, yeah. Tim Burton's kind of kind of stock crew from his his films. And uh, it, just really, really great. Great little Halloween film. I said, I think it's a nice kind of, you know, introduction to kind of going into spooky season because I feel like this movie <laughs> really is really just looks like spooky season. <laughs> it, it really does. Well, it feels like it's time to take a break. When we get back from the break, uh, we have been reading from the Creature Features book by the great John Stanley, mm-hmm. the former host of the show Creature Features. Uh, he has an entry on Sleepy Hollow. What we've liked uh, to start doing here is to read from the Stanley review and uh after we've given our review just see where we're at on it uh yeah. and uh, i think it's nice to have a third opinion uh and, yeah i think and so too one as uh well regarded as john stanley you can never go wrong with john <laughs> stanley so he was just recently on the uh, creature features the actual show he was a guest That's cool. uh, yeah <laughs> they did uh as the terror episode the terror is a film from roger corman starring boris karloff and jack nicholson so that uh you that watched is, the film uh, I've seen the film. I haven't watched. I haven't watched all of this episode yet. Okay. But uh, uh, Stanley, Stanley's great. He's out there and he's uh, you know, uh, lively. You know, he's older now, but lively. And uh, I think he said he's writing a new book. That's cool. So yeah, very cool. Very cool. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I'll t- I'll tell you all a little bit more about creature features when we uh, get back. But we're gonna uh, when we get back from this break, we are gonna give the John Stanley review. See so where we are on that. Tell you about what's gonna be coming up on the show. But right now, it is time for a news break. So all of the fake news. Not fit to print. Stay tuned for that. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. to be one of the top albums of the year, Macklemore Avenue. Baby, it's utter fantastic. So fantastic, you'll just have to hear it. Hearing is believing. Pure funk, as the MGs outdo the Beatles on their latest, but got to be the greatest. Booker T and the MGs doing everybody's thing, Macklemore Avenue. And it's available at your favorite record shop. And she ain't lying either. Iconic 
actor and real-life pilot Harrison Ford is back in the skies. After a series of high-profile crashes and runway mishaps, the legendary action star has completed a remedial flying class and once again has his pilot's license. In a statement to the Late Night Fright, Ford said, Guess who's back, back again. Forty's back, tell a friend, flying again in Margaritaville. We believe he was both smoking a joint and confusing lyrics to Eminem and Jimmy Buffett songs when he made the statement. Congratulations, Harrison, and to all our listeners out there, run for your lives. Harrison Ford is flying again. Well, we lost an icon here in Cozy Corner this week. Randy Roundhouse, everyone's favorite farting grandpa, passed away from complications due to old age. Randy used to sit on the bench by the fountain in Cozy Corner Park and let him rip all day, much to the delight of kids and even a few adults and quite possibly a host of the late night fright. I don't know. Maybe. Randy's son Ricky says, quote, Dad will be missed, but we have the memories. We also have a few seat cushions he let rip on. We're going to treasure that stink every time we sit down. God's pulling your finger now, Dad. We love you. Randy, you will be missed. He certainly will be missed. The management of the Cozy Corner Theater just announced that they will be hosting a silent film festival next weekend. They also added that even though the movies have no talking, that does not mean you can talk through the movie. It's a shame we have to even mention that. Right? Is it? Finally, congratulations again to Harrison Ford on getting his pilot's license back. He successfully completed remedial flying school, as we just said. But in case you're wondering how he did in advanced don't give a shit, well, he didn't even bother to show up to that class, thereby qualifying him to teach it. And that is the news. We will see you on the other side. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And you just heard the statement from iconic actor and pilot Harrison Ford, exclusive to the Late Night Fright (laughs) on getting his pilot license back. I have no idea what he was talking about. Nope. (laughs) But I might have an idea and that terrifies me. (laughs) Yeah. Confusing Eminem and Jimmy Buffett. I guess that's what happens. Goodness gracious. Faith, uh, do you have anything you would like to add uh, about Sleepy Hollow before we get into the John Stanley review? Um, Two things. Number one, did you like the look of the Tree of the Dead? Loved it. I thought that was really cool how the horse would come out. Yeah. And the heads were there. It was really cool. The second thing, the score. The Danny Elfman score. I mean, he's always good. So is Yeah. <laughs> you kind of take it for granted. You, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I liked, you know, there, there were nice little moments where it was a little softer, mm-hmm. pretty, and then that just the darker stuff. The haunting yes. little one voice. Yes. Kinda, He's always know. just so good. What did you think of the story of Ichabod Crane, the child, uh, with his mother coming 
coming back it again. Was, that plays into the faith and, and reason mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, what did you think? And did you did you feel that Ichabod Crane in this film was a balance? Did he become a balance at the end? Possibly. Uh, I think so. Possibly. I think so. Maybe. Yeah, but I, I like the little story uh, of his of his mother. I I could have done without it. Maybe. I mean, maybe. yeah, it didn't bother me necessarily, no, it didn't, but it didn't you know, either. it was there. And yeah, I, I I like I like what this movie is trying to do. Yeah. I really do. I think for the most part, it really succeeds. I think yeah, it really I does. Think so too. Great job. Let's see what John Stanley has to say about let's, it. Let's do it. John Stanley, uh, as we said, the, the great legendary host of Creature Features. Uh, his book is entitled Creature Features. This is the Bible for science fiction, <laughs> fantasy, and horror yeah. films, and is a must have. If you like what we do here on the show, if, if you like this genre of film, uh, I'm assuming you do because you're listening to this show, then this book is a must have. So sit back, make yourself a cup of coffee. This is a little longer than the usual. Uh, Let me see how long we got of this. Uh, we got we got this nice long paragraph okay. in here. Yeah, uh, Sleepy Hollow from 1999. He gave it three and a half stars out of five. I and think that's said, fair. He says, "Heads up, that thundering steed galloping out of the fog-bound New England countryside carries a rider who promises in advance, with a lengthy sword swirling over his head, to decapitate you without mercy." <laughs> How ironic and curious that the horseman has no head himself. It's Tim Burton bringing Washington Irving's classic The Legend of Sleepy Hollow to cinematic life. As a film of atmosphere and period details, Sleepy Hollow creates a sunless world of desolation and decay, forever trapped within mists and fogs. The brightest color is red, which is freely splattered about this world of supernatural ambience. Its citizens often appear as portraits by the old masters in costumes rich in period detail. Time and place are everything to Burton, and he captures them masterfully with the help of production designer Rick Heinrich, cinematographer Emmanuel Lubeski. Props to me for getting through those two names. And costume <laughs> artist Colleen Atwood. The screenplay by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven from an idea by Kevin Yeager, special effects artist of the Nightmare on Elm Street films and Child's Play series, is more about modern horror and mystery movie traditions with the viewer always uncertain when the murderous writer will strike next and who the next victim will be. The beheadings are graphic, none of the details spared, and Burton fills the film with rousing action sequences in which brave souls battle the well-armed headless horsemen who may or may not be supernatural depending on your beliefs. It is fashioned as a whodunit with Perry Mason-like overtones and some touches of Sherlock Holmes thrown in for added flavor. And there is a lot to savor here. If there is a major problem, it is the inconsistency of Johnny Depp's forensic investigator Ichabod Crane in Irving's story. He was a school teacher, but what the hey, who has been sent into the Hudson River country of 1799 to find the cause of three decapitation murders. Depp vacillates from being a driven professional with his eccentric forensic tools to a bumbling buffoon who at one point performs a bloody autopsy on one of the victims and at another moment passes out at the sight of some new horror. And he's so terrorized by his first one-on-one meeting with the horseman that he retreats to his bed quivering. Later, using Holmesian deductive reasoning, he figures out convoluted conspiracies involving complicated family trees and intervillage relationships. However, Depp plays Crane with such charming naivety and presence that he ultimately wins you over, no matter how many times he is asked to pass out or fumble the ball. Gradually, Crane comes to realize that the Hessian horseman, a German swordsman, played by Christopher Walken, who worked for the British during the Revolutionary War and slayed many a local resident before he himself was killed, beheaded, and buried outside the town, has been resurrected by someone who possesses his head. That unknown person uses an incantation to bring the horseman back to kill enemies and hence has secret motives that Crane must uncover. Burton's cast is peerless in bringing the period characters to life. Christina Ricci is beautiful in her low-cut bodices. Miranda Richardson and Michael Gambon portray the rich host who invite Crane to stay. Jeffrey Jones is whimsical as the village reverend. Richard Griffiths is the magistrate. Ian McDiarmid is the country doctor. And Michael Goff, one eye clouded white, is the sinister notary. Christopher Lee and Martin Landau appear in surprise cameos. Sleepy Hollow is like a strong ale with a very good head, if you will pardon the expression. Three and a half out of five stars. I believe that review covers covers it pretty yeah, well. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, think, I think he addresses some of the problems in the film very mm-hmm. well there. I think he gives props to the atmosphere as we did. And mm-hmm. um, again, John Stanley, you really can't go too wrong with John right. Stanley's take. What do, you, what do you think of John Stanley's take? Oh, I agree. I think I agree with the three and a half uh, stars as you know, that. But yeah, I agree with what he said there. I think, I think the movie has some good things. It has some kind of... 
okay things. Okay things that maybe could have been a little better, but overall, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. This is a great, uh, it's a great spooky season watch. As you said, this is a great uh, anytime, anytime yeah. watch. Uh, really, when it gets in that fall season mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's raining out on the moors and <laughs> or in your little hamlet in northern New York, you, uh, this, this is the film. It's, it's the film, of course. And this is a great, uh, this is a great gateway into some of the other horror mm-hmm. films out there waiting for you. Oh, yes. so, definitely, it does feel like the Hammer films at times, and the Hammer films are so uh, 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 reverential of the Universal monster movies. So it's it's in line with those films. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. good stuff. Good I stuff. enjoy it. I do too. <laughs> well, the Dead Sled Coffee is almost wearing off, but let's tell them what we're going to be doing next week. It's your pick, isn't it? It is my pick next week. Why don't you tell them? Ooh, (laughs) here we go. Uh, So next week we are going to be doing uh, an older film from 1960, the Roger Corman-directed Little Shop of Horrors. This movie is in the public domain. It is available on YouTube. It is available on Amazon for free. Like This movie is available for free. You have no excuses (laughs) for not watching this movie. This movie was shot in two and a half days, and it features a performance from a very, very, very young Jack Nicholson uh, having a lot of fun in his role. It also has a talking plant that feeds on humans. (laughs) Sounds exciting. It is one of the funniest <laughs> films I've ever seen. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And this is the 1960 version we're going to be doing, not the musical version. We're going to save that for maybe December when Ghostbusters comes out because we're going to do Ghostbusters 2 probably and Little Shop of Horrors because Rick Moranis uh, is in the Ghostbusters uh, franchise. Don't know if he's in the new movie, but... Uh, I feel like I read he was. Maybe is he popping up? Maybe. I think It'd be good to see him again. I he, think he he's is. been gone a while. <laughs> it's been too long. I know. Uh, Rick Moranis is wonderful. Um, so, but but uh, we're going to be doing the uh, the original black and white 1960 Little Shop of Horrors from director Roger Corman. I think if you've never seen this movie, you're really going to enjoy it. I have never it. seen it. It's a 70 minute watch. I think it's about 70 minutes, and awesome. uh, filmed in two and a half days. That's crazy. Boom! There you go. <laughs> Roger Corman is notorious for just being able to do movies like that. That's real awesome. Quick. Uh, I'm excited to talk about Roger Corman. Roger Corman is responsible for a lot of the great talent that we have uh, have had in movies over the past 50, 50, 60 years. Ron Howard, Jonathan Demme, who did uh, Silence of the Lambs, James Cameron. I mean, the, 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 the list the, goes on. It's, a, it's an amazing list of actors and actresses and directors and writers who got their start with Roger Corman. Roger Corman is one of the great figures in American uh, cinema history and Really beloved, too. Mm-hmm. Beloved by a lot of people. And uh, he is, uh, as of the time of this recording, still with us. He's 94 years old. Oh, wow. Still with us, still out there doing it. And uh, more power to him. Uh, really wonderful films, wonderful vibe. <laughs> I, can't, I really can't wait to get into it. I can't it. wait and, to uh, watch it. Give a little background on Mr. Corman, uh, who also made an appearance in Silence of the Lambs. I believe he was the senator, if I'm not one of the senators. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> It feels like it's that time, doesn't it, Faith? It does. Before we go, I would like to say thank you to all of you out there for listening. Uh, during these strange, uncertain times we find ourselves living in, we hope you are happy. We hope you're healthy. We hope you are safe. And we hope you are... Sane. Sane and staying <laughs> away. Uh, I don't want to say stay away from news, but verify what you're hearing mm-hmm. regarding a lot of things. Uh, at the time of this recording, we're in the midst of election season. The only thing we will say is watch horror movies, keep America strong, and... Uh, don't believe everything you hear or see. Don't believe everything you hear or see. That's very well said. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from all of you out there. Again, thank you all for listening. Thank you for your continued support. And a big hello to all of our listeners over in the UK. It's a pleasant surprise to see how well we're doing over there in the United Kingdom. We have one of the top 100 shows over there and uh, really just kind of warms my heart. It's it's, it's amazing when you see where you're being listened to. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And you try to figure out why you're being listened to there. I I don't know. (laughs) I can't figure it out. So we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And uh, but to everybody here in the States, in the UK and everyone around the world, uh, thank you and stay safe, stay happy, healthy, sane, all of that stuff. It feels like it's that time, doesn't it? It does. It's time. Now, I have been snapping my finger in the Fonzie fashion and it's been starting the music. Would you like to try it this week? Sure, I would. Give it a go, Faith. Here I go. You ready? Ready. Nice job, Faith. Thanks. Next time, try a double snap. <laughs>
I will next time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all again for tuning in. Uh, Make sure to check out Little Shop of Horrors from Roger Corman. That is our movie for next week. And be sure to check out all of our other episodes. They're available wherever podcasts can be found. And hey, check out Dead Sled Coffee. They got a Robert Englund blend that's going to be coming out soon. I bet it's going to be wonderful. (laughs) Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We will see you on the other side.